0: Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown. The Hockey Canada scandal continues to impact the sport at all levels. Even with the board stepping aside, sponsorship dollars and government funding remain frozen. Now, we've spoken about the organization's mishandling of complaints related to sexual misconduct and other misconduct. What we haven't explored in depth is how the freeze in funding may impact equity-based programs. Think grassroots programs or women's hockey or Paris sports. Let's discuss some of these ramifications with journalist John Lepke. John recently wrote an article for the Globe and Mail on this issue. Hey, good morning, John. Great to chat with you once again. Good morning, Dave. So, John, let's start right here. How concerned should Paris sports funded under the Hockey Canada umbrella be?
1: Well, I think we've seen, um, as uh, as I uh, pointed out in the article, and as some other journalists have pointed out, um, particularly at the Globe and Mail and elsewhere, um, that uh, that some funders have have named their commitment to ParaSport. Other funders, um, it's unclear whether they were ever funding ParaSport in the first place, um, and some have seemed silent. So, uh, yeah, let, let's call it a mixed bag. Um, I, I think. The level of concern, and I don't have you know, access to balance sheets or anything like that, the, the level of concern um, is more on the reputational side, uh, as I'm sure we'll get into. I,
0: I, I know we don't have access to the balance sheet, John, but, mm-hmm. but certainly I think we can make some well-guided assumptions here about the importance of the funding for these programs at the elite and grassroots level that comes from the top down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the, one of the things that we see in Canadian para sport is this difference of model. So whereas something like wheelchair uh, basketball Canada or um, uh, Canada wheelchair rugby exists as their own uh, separate nonprofits, um, uh, things like the para hockey team existing, or at least one of the para hockey teams, because there is a, a funding push for a women's para hockey team. Um, Whereas that is more under this large and broad band, and um, and that means that there are advantages inherently and, and disadvantages to, those, to both of those models.
0: Let, let's dive a little deeper into these models, because obviously that we can advocate and say, please make sure you're funding these programs properly, these equity programs properly. But beyond the advocacy, is there something different that can be done around a funding model, maybe sponsors giving money more directly to programs as opposed to the organization at large?
1: Well, I think we need to make a distinction here um, oftentimes between what is happening at the national level and what is happening at, at the provincial or regional level. I mean, here on the prairies, um, you know, in the last 10 or so years, we've seen an explosion from one or two uh, para hockey teams to five or six. Um, if you look at the national team roster for uh, for the Paralympic team, a lot of those uh, focused. Um, if you look at where athletes are from, in Ontario, Quebec, and Alberta, um, a lot of the funding. When we talk about the health of the sport, is actually at that regional level, although the uh, the national level will uh, will catch the headlines. So, certainly, it's about advocacy. It's also about tracking where that money comes down. Once it flows um, down into those uh, uh, PSOs, provincial sport organizations.
0: You mentioned the brand before and maybe some concerns about being associated with the brand. I I think that we can point to some evidence of being involved with larger organizations comes with benefits. I think specifically about USA Blind Hockey right now being under the USA Hockey banner and also being adopted by many of the NHL teams as well, really pushing blind hockey south of the border to tremendous, tremendous growth. But... Now we're seeing the possibility of wearing that hockey Canada brand coming with a bit of tarnishment. So where do you think the balance is there?
1: Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, the difference in, in funding models, and certainly there is some some reputational um, uh, some reputational damage that is possible there. I mean, in the history, in the recent history of. Um, Sort of public relations in para hockey. I mean, we had the large outpouring of discussion around the Humboldt Broncos uh, tragedy and and the later connections to para hockey for for one of those athletes. Um, I, I think there is a risk of damage. I I don't think that you know para hockey when you think of hockey Canada isn't the first thing. What teams that are underneath these large umbrellas are at risk of is being buried in the fine print um uh, because you're not the big focus like you are where there's a separate organization that is primarily focused or only focused on your sport um that that means that you can like i said be left be left in the dust so
0: to speak John it would be a missed opportunity if we didn't at least talk about some of the allegations here or more broadly what can be done in sports to better protect players, and other vulnerable people from bullying, sexual misconduct, etc. You were involved in the para-sport movement amongst your many titles, para-athlete, journalist, artist. What changes would you like to see in terms of institutions, in terms of better protecting vulnerable people?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think in some ways the call is coming within the House. I mean, it's easy to look at this from a from the from the large-scale scandal that that we're seeing in hockey canada right now Um, but parasport has its own Uh, and and disability community in general has its own issues with bullying, harassment um, and and discrimination. Uh, There's been research that is currently ongoing, I believe, at at some universities around um, safe sport and what safe sport can mean in a Paralympic environment. I think we need to look really deeply at what that can be because it differs so vastly along the spectrum of Paralympic sport. related to not only the physical uh, and mental needs of different athletes with different disabilities and different quote-unquote levels of disability, um, but also how um, Paralympic athletes can be, uh, it's funny to use this word, but integrated into wider discussions of of bullying and harassment. I think it would be very easy for us to look um, at, like I said, at these large scale um, uh, discussions that are happening, Broadly speaking, um, and it would be easy to say, oh, that doesn't affect Parasport when realistically it, it absolutely does, especially when Parisport is largely run uh, by non-disabled people. And it's not that non-disabled people can't have, you know, an opinion on, on Parasport Sport or be able to run tremendous organizations, but it does mean that more education needs to happen to deflect that, deflect that
0: possible pain. John, we appreciate the insight. And here's where I end up ticking off every journalist that I talk to because I force them into a little (laughs) bit of speculation. Do you think Hockey Canada can repair their brand? Or do you imagine we may have to consider a whole new organization? I've, I've wavered on this, John, for the sake of offering my opinion on this. I sure, thought that sure. perhaps the World Juniors last summer, certainly the enthusiasm wasn't there, but it felt like by the end, okay, people have kind of forgotten about the Hockey Canada story. And then within weeks, it was right back into the fire for the organization. So I'm starting to lean towards the possibility of perhaps we need to consider a whole new organization nationally for hockey in, Can- in Canada. But that's my feeling. Where do you land on this?
1: Yeah, Um I think you're always in a dangerous spot when when a sport with all of its with all of its foibles and all of the potential for abuse that come within a sporting environment, particularly at the youth or major junior level or whatever the sport wants to do. You know, you're always in danger when when that sport is so heavily tied into national identity and. Um, the pessimist in me says that that Hockey Canada will, and maybe in some corners this is seem as optimism, I happen to label it as pessimism, um, that I, I think Hockey Canada will, will um, come out the other side of this. I don't think, I think with the discussions, certainly um, about racism in, in hockey, more generally in Canada, I don't think that creating an entirely new organization absolves the issues at hand. Um, mm. I think those are fairly uh, deeply rooted. Um, and, and I think we were talking earlier about the importance of grassroots and, and that the funding really exists at that grassroots level. That's where the impact is felt, even if the national teams grab the headlines. Um, and I, I think any reformed Hockey Canada, uh, reworked Hockey Canada, however we want to phrase it, is going to have to tackle these issues. Um, and it would be you know my hope as a as a passive observer now of para sport that that uh, the um, the para teams are are leading that discussion uh, at least in part um particularly as as we saw with a recent piece with CBC when um, women's para hockey para hockey in general being uh, a co-ed sport in in name only with three athletes uh three female athletes being the number that only have ever suited up at the paralympics um the the women's canadian women's para hockey team um uh fighting for fighting for funding there are plenty uh, of issues that para hockey uh can can intersect with bullying certainly being uh top or at almost at the top
0: of the list john we are grateful for your insights on this topic thank you for bringing it to us today Thank you for having me. That's John Lopke, a journalist based in Saskatoon. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part